You're about to listen to a preview of our episode one and two recap of the Challenge World Championship. If you would like to listen to the full episode, which is close to an hour and 50 minutes long, you can go to patreon.com slash the challenge chronicles and subscribe for $4 per month. We plan to release all of our recap episodes for the Challenge World Championship on Patreon. We'll also leave a link to Patreon in the description below. It helps keep the show running and make our lives a lot easier. Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan. I'm with Rob McIntyre and no Trace Armstrong. Trace is uh, stuck commuting or had some travel plans go awry. We're here to talk about the Challenge World Championship, episode one, debuted. Well, we're going to talk about episode one and two. We're going to recap episode one and two, kind of do it. I think we're probably going to do it as one episode. We may cut it apart as two, but I think we want to be able to talk about both at the same time. Rob, what did you think of the two episodes that we got on Wednesday? Certainly quite the buildup to this season, right? It just, it all felt just so theatrical to me, like just the way that they set up the season. Um, I thought the pacing was a tad slow, but overall I was very much in favor of these two episodes. I quite enjoyed them. I thought the first episode was ass cheeks. Uh, the second episode I loved. I thought the second episode was incredible. I can see that. And, and I'm definitely excited for the rest of the season based off of the second episode. I didn't even mind that we didn't get an elimination in the second episode. When I watched the second episode, I think at one point I moved the cursor to see how much time was left. I saw that there was only 10 minutes left and I was like, holy fuck, this is flying by. Um, so I think the second episode was really good. The first episode left a little bit to be desired, but I think my main overall takeaway is that the production quality that they're able to put out on Paramount Plus is far superior. It just, it's to just it just feels way better. Right? There's just something about it. It just feels way better. It's like you had a movie that was filmed on a, I don't know, a, a Nickelodeon budget, and then you went to a Marvel budget right after that, right? And it's funny because it seems like they may even have less less money, right? They may just be doing more with less money because they are under less restrictions. And what you said is exactly what I was going to say and exactly what I thought. It feels like you're watching a movie the way that they're able to produce it. It just seems like it's a much higher quality. And it almost seems like whoever is making this, and if you're the person, one of the people who's involved with this, feel free to reach out to us and you can kind of give us some backdoor information. It feels like whoever... And you can reach out to us at the challenge chronicles at gmail.com. It seems like whoever is in charge of this, whoever is making this, almost has the handcuffs taken off when it's on Paramount Plus, and they can do whatever they want. And it really shows because it's a much more coherent and enjoyable product to view. This is, it is just a cool season, right? Like, this is the closest we're going to get to winners at Warner Challenge season. Just seeing all these different characters together, the fact that you've got, like, in this first elimination, we'll talk about coming up. It's Jody, Nelson, and Kellyanne are the three people who are involved. We're three of the probably lower tier cast members overall on the show. But just the fact that you have those different prominent figures from different eras like that, I just think is cool. Exactly. I think this kind of gets to what I've talked about before, where I want to start to see more of a blend between 
the best that we have from all stars and the best that we have from the main show. And we've kind of started to get that right where we have Janae now on the same season as Tori. It was kind of odd seeing those people in the same place. It was kind of weird to see, honestly, Sarah Lucina and Tori in the same frame at the same time. That was <laughs> a little jarring the first time that that happened. I think the first episode for me is almost a throwaway. I think a lot of the content that they had to do in the first episode, they just had to get through. I don't really get why they felt like they needed that much time to be able to do it. I just, the, the, nego- the negotiation in particular took way too long, right? When they were in that initial, like, figuring out who gets voted in in that first episode. I did think, maybe we'll talk about it a bit more later, but that Sarah and Justine pulled off a pretty impressive move to me in that negotiation, getting the UK, one UK and one Australia member thrown in. But that just took too long. You just didn't need to spend that much time on that uh, situation. Yeah, there was, there's another aspect of that that I want to talk about, and we'll get to that once we go through the Fast Five, but those are my, my overall takeaways. Trace did want to pass along to the audience that he thought this was an A-, and overall he's excited because it's nice to have a season where everyone came to play. It is, when you do, when you look at the teams, all of the teams are pretty strong. Yeah. I think yeah. even they kind of, even some of the competitors that are not as strong, I feel like they got paired with some really good partners. So Amber B, I don't know if she's necessarily the best challenge competitor, but she got paired with what we thought was one of the strongest male competitors, right? I don't know if they are necessarily going to be complementary to each other as far as their skill set goes, but I think that helps her out a lot. And then Sarah Lucina, I was pretty low on her coming into this season, but she gets paired with Theo, who physically I think is one of the strongest male competitors on the cast. We thought he was going to be in trouble from a political perspective, but now he's paired with a USA member, which seems like will be one of the dominant groups in the game if you're part of that coalition. Yeah, I'm like, see what you wonder about Sarah Lucina. She has made the end on Survivor twice, right? Like she knows what she's doing from a political perspective to some degree. Sure. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if we can really say that based off of last season, because last season is one of the worst political showings I think we've ever seen. Well, I mean, how many times did she get put in? Just once? I think that, I, uh, I don't think quite that much of a disaster last season. I mean, she was in the, she, in, in her crew of girls, she did have more people on her side. It just so happened she made enemies of the two strongest players in the house. I would say that from a political perspective, she was almost in like the Philip Shepard role, where she was involved with the she was involved with the strong alliance, but no one cared for her. No one really liked her. She was there as a number. I, there were obviously some people that liked her and some people that cared for her. But I think Tyson, for example, worked for her just because they were well, part of the survivor group. Was I, I think that Tyson and Angela were such the dominant players that, that season, and that they just happened not to like Sarah. Like I, I think it was just one of the situations where. Like, I, I, there wasn't as much on her ability. She just made enemies with the wrong people. And they happened to be the narrators of the season. I mean, Ben also went back on Sarah, didn't he, at one point in time? No, they had, they had a little bit of back and forth. But they never actually made cross to each other, from what I remember. I think Ben was just... I'm trying to remember specifically. I know what you're talking about. I think there was one point where he was just dumb and messed it up. I really should where, have where Sarah was like, no, Ben, Benzo is dead. <laughs> you don't remember that? Yeah, I, I do, yeah, with, with Ben and Enzo. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the Fast Five. We're going to start with Episode 1, and we're probably just going to roll right into Episode 2. I think we can probably move through Episode 1 pretty quickly. 
they start by showing Cape Town, Africa. First of all, last week when I asked Trace where the season was set, he said it was in Argentina. So uh, right away. I think this is an excellent setting for a season. Warm weather. Let's go. For for multiple reasons. Warm weather, diverse climate, right? The first yeah. mission, the second mission that we get is in the sand dunes. They have the, the ocean. There's really a lot that they can do with this, but mostly it's warm weather, right? That That's cool. the Cape number one thing that we care about. Yeah. Cape Town's like, the, there's the, the, the city actually, it's also nice because there's a very clear nature to Cape Town. Like it's a very like nice tropical area, but also they have an actual big city if you want to do any city type missions. Yeah. So I think this really benefits them for a lot of reasons. I wonder if there's a reason why, and this is another difference between the main show and the products that we've seen on Paramount Plus. I wonder if there's a reason why they've decided they want to consistently have the main show in cold weather places versus or cold weather seasons versus Paramount Plus, where they've been they've still been warm weather. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that's intentional or, or accidental. Who knows. Who knows? Uh, there, there could be some budget constraints that lead to that, or it just makes more sense based on the crew they have coming in. Okay, episode one starts. Everyone starts to.